Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Post Football. Another episode of Ukraine Plus Football Podcast, the English source of Ukrainian football. And that's our 51st episode. We lasted for one year and we are counting on more episodes coming. We thank Ukrainian Armed Forces for protecting what we have to discuss today and uh, the rest of uh, Ukrainians. Today, as usual, we have our Ukrainian football representative outside of European Union, Andrew Todos. I'm looking forward to this interesting episode, something that we've not covered really for a long time. Exactly. I've missed it. I personally missed that. And I've been knocking on your door, guys, all over saying, when is PFL? When is the lower league stuff? Uh, I'm Ray. I'm the Ukrainian football representative in the Americas. And also we have our founder of the pod, Adam, with us. Uh, he is the Ukrainian full representative inside the European Union. Over to you, Adam. Pleasure as always to be here, everyone. Here in Luxembourg, we've just finished for the winter break. So what a great time to catch up with one of our good friends, Ilya Doylin, to discuss everything, as Ray mentioned, to do with the PFL. Ilya. It's great to have you here. First of all, I hope you're well. And secondly, I hope the signal holds for, for, the, for this recording today. How are you doing? Thank you for the invitation. Yes, it was a very long period. We hadn't met for one year, approximately, yes. So I look forward for this moment to discuss the, the best leaks of the world this year. Yeah, you certainly are. Now, for those of you who are new to the part, as Ilya mentioned, it's been a while, but Ilya is one of the top Ukrainian sports journalists and is the co-owner of the UFUA project, which focuses in particular on Ukrainian lower leagues. Now, Ilya, uh, this year, of course, is, it's, I suppose the word's unprecedented. It's, it's something nobody ever wanted to experience. But for our listeners... With regards to the Persia and the Druga League, what changes have had to be put in place to make the leagues take take place this year in Ukraine? We lost a lot of uh, great teams. First, Allianz, where I have worked for two years. It's, of course, very sad to such teams, but this year was a very interesting format. Uh, as I remember, it... Uh, was discussed for the 21-22 season uh, in general. There are two steps of the season. Uh, the first step, uh, 16 teams were divided into two groups uh, following the geographical location. There they played, uh, each team played 13 games, uh, each one in their group at home ground at uh, in uh, guest ground. Uh, then they, they in spring, they will play 
uh, again in two groups, but uh, there are two groups for promotion and for relegation. Uh, for teams from each group, group A and B from the first step, uh, uh, top four will play for promotion and uh, bottom four will play for relegation. Uh, at, uh, in the group of promotion, two, group, uh, two teams will promote uh, for the Premier League automatically and Certain four teams uh, are going to play playoffs matches, but uh, there is one different thing. Uh, if uh, Desna and Magyarupol will play next season, there will be no playoff uh, matches, and uh, uh, Premier League next season will consist of 18 teams. Uh, if one of these teams will uh, play next season, it doesn't matter Desna or Magyarupol, third team or First league will play a playoff against uh, 14 team of uh, Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, and if Desna and Bagheupol will not play next season, uh, certain uh, certain first team of uh, first league will play playoff against uh, 15 and 14 uh, plays of Premier League. Uh, in group of relegation, uh, last uh, team of this group will relegate uh, to the second league, and the uh, uh, seventh uh, team of this group will play playoff uh, against the second team of uh, second league. And uh, also interesting thing that uh, points will be saved only with the teams uh, of this group. So if, for example, Polisha get the promotion group, they, uh, their points will be counted only with uh, Karpaty, Epicenter and Liva. And uh, also teams will play with the, uh, that teams you know, uh, don't play in the previous sets. So, for example, with Polisha, they will not play with Karpaty, Epicenter and Liva. They will play against Elenze, Oboloin, uh, Metalurg and Fremen. Uh, Green seems to be very, very interesting for me. Certainly very new. It's certainly very new. Um, as you mentioned there, some of the, I mean, it's nice, some of the historic teams, especially for our Carpathia Lviv fans, it's great to see them battling away at the top of the Persia. Um, who are the leaders? Who have been the teams that have really impressed you, Ilya, in this first half of the season? Oh, you know, I hadn't expected that Epicenter will get to the promotion group, really. Yes, they had a uh, strong coach, Sakina Hovnyak, which had replaced the left Naduda in the early beginning of the season. Uh, but I expected that Karpatia will get uh, get to the promotion group because this uh, team play in the first league, uh, not for first year. They saved their... Uh, uh, of course, they lost two or three players. Uh, I don't remember uh, that uh, get to the Premier League teams, but uh, they saved their squad, and uh, I expected that the party will be in the promotion group. Uh, what about Group B? Also, Kremlin impressed me because uh, this team denoted the highest positions in the first league. Uh, last two seasons, uh, this team rather fighting for for staying in the first league. And mm -hmm. the third place, in, third place uh, in their group impressed me as well. I just noticed that uh, you've mentioned Kremen there, Denis Galata with, was it nine goals uh, 
in the first half of the season, 22-year-old, really has stepped up to, to the plate there. I know Andrew, I'm going to bring Andrew in here for a second. Earlier this season, you were talking about Policia Jutomir in particular and uh, Budkivsky. He's really showing his UPL class in the Persia. Would you agree? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Policia, are, I don't know if Ilya will agree with me, but they're pretty much the metalist of last season, really. Uh you know, a class above everyone else in the division. They've got the funds to pay, obviously, probably UPL uh, size salaries, and they've accumulated a squad which wouldn't look out of place that would be battling for maybe even Conference League places in the Ukrainian Premier League with the kind of players that we've seen in Ukrainian teams that have been doing that over the past few years, such as, you know, Andriy Gichenko, who was star player for Desna for multiple seasons. Super old, by the way. <laughs> um, also, you've got um, Artem Kozak, who was quite good for Oboloin in recent years, and Karpate and other sides. Yevhenny Morozko, of course, Kolos Kovalivka, legend. And then those forwards, as we said, uh, Dmitro Shastal, quite a highly rated Alexandria player back in the day. He's obviously there as well. <laughs> Adam's favourite player of all time, Vladislav Vakula. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I think Ilya might be able to give us a bit more insight whether he's how good of a season he's having. But Budkivsky, of course, uh, obviously having scoring goals for fun down there, as he did in the UPL as well. So in general, I think it's pretty safe to say that they will probably be the automatic uh, champions when it, when the Petrolika returns in the spring, it's just going to be very interesting to see who second, third and fourth are going to be now that the groups have split in half because you've got the sort of top performing sides such as Obolon, LNZ are going to be mixing with Karpate, Jotomer, Epicenter and the likes. So the fact that Liverpool somehow made it in there as well, I think it's going to be quite interesting, <laughs> but you kind of feel sorry for them in the second half of this season. Like, if you actually look at it, because all the points get halved, like Karpate out of the eighth, they've been, like, slipped from second in Pedro A down to, like, fifth or sixth. So it just, it makes it all uh, a lot more entertaining. And from what we saw in the UPL, where there was a bit of stagnation and it was very difficult to see anyone other than, like, Shakhtar or Dinamo winning the league when it split over the past few seasons this actually looks quite a bit more entertaining knowing that there is the potentially four promotion spots available because in reality, obviously a lot can change over the next, I don't know, six to eight months, but you probably don't expect Disna and Mariupol to return anytime soon, but just the funding to be available for those clubs and the ownership and everything else probably not going to be ready for at least another few years and that will probably be after obviously Ukraine wins the war as well you know Andrew I can't but the privilege is that Polisa is a second panelist because uh, I'm communicating with other people uh, uh, clubs press officers and uh, one of them is noticed as far as I remember that Polisa has such number of penalties that other seven teams of the group as far as I remember Ilya, 
as Andrew mentioned there, many years ago when I was talking about Mudrick and Sikan, the Kula was the third one of the three I said was going to become a superstar. Sadly, the Kula has let me down. How has he been playing at Jitomir this year, Vladislav Vakula? Oh, uh, actually, Vakula wasted the chance. Uh, I remember the accident in Bagupol uh, when he had a traffic accident uh, being drunk. I think he wasted uh, his chance. And uh, we say, you know, it's maybe it's appropriate variant for him, but it's too late to, became, to become a Jimudrik of the country. But if he will uh, wisely and will not make this uh, thing. Maybe he can return to Premier League, not to play for Shakhtar, but at least to return to Premier League with Polisa. Why not? But he would not become, he would not reach that level. Yeah, it's a, a sad story. Ray, a Robolon providing us with happier stories this year. It's unexpected to see that, right? The points halved and Obolon leading the Champions Group with eight points difference outside of uh, LNZ, who has uh, eight points and the rest. But the funny thing is, if you look at the calendar, which is going to be played in uh, April and May, the, the best months to be in Ukraine, actually. And now they're all matched up with the Champions Group in uh, Persia Liga and the first matches to take place for Obolon are with Epicenter and Neva Ternopil. And these are the matches where Obolon is going to lose points. These eight points difference is going to be eliminated in the very first two match days. And then the fun begins because later we have Polisa, we have Karpaty, we have Epicenter again. And uh, as we know, as uh, the latest uh, articles on Obolon tell us, uh, the Kiev team are really improving in terms of playing the Giants. But as usual, they are failing to play the outsiders, the um, outcasts, you know, like, uh, I, as I said, Niva, Skoruk, and the likes. Uh, this has been Obolon football as it is. And as I said in the beginning, it was unexpected, and Obolon is very lucky to be in this position with the very, some people call their style of football simple, but I don't agree because I've seen matches and I've seen the players who we have. We have the Roy Keane in midfield, Taras Moroz. Uh, we have uh, Dali Grusha, who has... Uh, Grusha, Grusha is... Uh, um, the English word for it is a fruit, is beer. So if you talk about the drink, which uh, the Oblen Brewery provides, Zhivchik, it has a beer flavor. So And that's the, the same as he has on his back, Grusha Zhivchik. So it's like a wordplay. Anyway, it's fun, but... Um, they don't play simple, you know, these guys can provide a difference. And one of them is actually Igor Krasnopir, who loves to score in Premier, in English Premier League style. You know, two, three touches, Olivier Giroud kind of uh, football in World Cup, you know. And he was called up on uh, to represent the country with Ruslan Rotan team under 21, which is a huge success for the guy because he, uh, six months ago, he played for Kiev Oblast. And that's what we've been telling you about, right, uh, dear listeners? The very essence and the hidden gems are all in the regional football in Ukraine, the small leagues, the amateurs, and that's how the stars are rising and uh, lighten up in Ukrainian football these days. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Premier League there, because I'm going to take us right the way down to the National League. So now 
and Welling United and Eastbourne Borough. Anyone in the south of England listening to this, you missed out on an absolute superb talent this summer in Ivan Tishenko. Now, Ivan was based in the UK following the outbreak of uh, the war in Ukraine, and he received his permission to play, and he had trials at both Welling and Eastbourne. Uh, due to his status, and I know there was a lot of discussion at the time about players coming out of the PFL and why they couldn't play at higher status at higher levels. But well, the English government had stated that anyone with temporary protection status in the UK couldn't play below, couldn't play above the fifth tier, the National League in the UK, uh, wouldn't receive a work permit to play in the Football League. So Ivan was there looking at the clubs in the UK wouldn't pay as much as the teams in the PFL, in the Persia League. So he returned back to the Ukraine to uh, play for LNZ and presently sits third place in the goal scoring charts with seven goals in the first half of the season there, sort of leading the way in the LNZ. It's not really a striker, he's a winger, but uh, seven goals is firing them up the chart. I expect that Elanza will also fight for promotion because it's a very rich team. Even uh, Victoria, which uh, is gone now, was in one agrarian company with Elanza. Elanza has money to invite uh, good players even from Paris and a lot of players from Paris come to Elanza. So it's not right for me that Elanza at such Thanks, Ila. And point system in Persia League work uh, the way that the uh, points uh, acquired in the matches with the teams from your group, from the champions group, are saved. And the points which you acquired with the teams who uh, went to the other group, who uh, relegated, so to speak, they are gone. That's why Obolon lost to all of the outsiders and apparently LNZ beat most of them and now they have less po- half less points than Obolon. Okay, cool. So that, that makes makes sense to me now, all caught, caught up and everything. We have to mention Carpati here at this stage. I know we've talked about a few teams. I've got to be very careful with my words here, but I like the youth players that are coming through and developing. Now, Carpati, looking in the record stats here, have both the youngest goal scorer and player, the youngest appearance in the PFL this season. Artur Shah scored for Carpati uh, and Andrei Lominski appeared for Carpati uh, both before their 17th birthdays this season. I've been getting quite regular game time. So two names there, people, for you to keep uh, keep an ear out for to, to see how they develop. Great starts to both their careers over in Lviv there. Gentlemen, who's disappointed you in the Persia League? Who's, who's not quite hit the standards? You mentioned Epicenter Kremlin surprising you. Who hasn't? Who's upset you? Ilya, you first. As I have said, Ricard Pacha, I have expected that they will get to the promotion group. Uh, for the first opinion, uh, you, Mick Scott, is also disappointed last uh, place in their group, but I want to say that 
in general, it's the age of the steam is approximately 19 or 20 years. So it's absolutely a new team uh, that we have seen last season. Nothing uh, priceable for me. So. Right. Andrew, anyone you'd like to add in? Uh, just to probably add on Ilya's point, probably just Prekarapacha, because I'm looking at the relegation group right now. And you look at all eight teams and you're like, would any of these really have a chance at promotion to the to the UPL? And based on like their squads and the levels, probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Half of them, or actually the vast majority of them were Druhaliga sides last season. <laughs> and some of them were like debutants in the Druhaliga and they got promoted based on not on pr any promotion thing, just because they had the financial capabilities to carry on. We Obviously, me had Krenic Sport as well went bankrupt last year. Yeah, on, exactly. on more than one occasion. <laughs> <laughs> so they, to me, look like um, you know, like a Lubomir kind of style, where as Ilya's been telling us, everyone's like super young. Uh, inexperienced and they're just there playing for fun really whereas obviously top of the relegation group that will be when the season resumes in spring is FC Chernikov and Adam you and you and I we spoke to obviously the director there on more than one occasion once on the road trip and then a few months ago for Glory magazine mm -hmm. and it was quite interesting their targets were like we don't want promotion at the moment we literally we're here for a bit of stability we are ready to ensure that the club carries on and we were ready in the capabilities to play in the Petroliha so we shall do that and I mean they've had some decent results in that first half of the season look forward to seeing how they continue you know looking at the teams that are available with the with all the points halved it's sort of like a completely new league it's basically like everyone almost starting on zero points again you know what I mean? Compared to the promotion league where there is a bit more of a bigger gap. So I think we could be in for something um, quite entertaining. And obviously the fact that there's only two relegation spots, I think that sort of maybe reduces the jeopardy slightly. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, interesting, interesting stuff to see going on down at the bottom. Yeah, guys, I just wanted to mention my, uh, to chip in uh, a little bit on the uh, Persia Liga outsiders. I was just curious, what happens in the relegation group? What's the point of winning it? Can you please remind me? It seems to uh, Ukrainian Premier League in 2016-17, uh, 2017 season, when this uh, when Premier League was divided into two groups. Uh, maybe will be some trophy for the ninth place. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I, yes. I've been away from home for too long. I've missed it. <laughs> anyway, uh, the yes. point is, in Persia Liga, those teams w uh, which w you mentioned, Adam Chernihiv, they did say they're not interested in promoting. And that's what people have been saying about Obolon at some point, because in the past, Obolon did not promote because just like the owners, the CEOs didn't want it. And that is what happened. what's happening in Ukrainian football. Teams just playing for themselves, you know, and that reminds me of... The um, other people, other experts who uh, claim that no one watches Ukrainian football and they are talking about UPL. They don't even mention the lower leagues, which we discussed now in English. But the point is, the, the shows we have on YouTube, like Brutalny Football Show, uh, they are about to play in Gaskarpati. 
And that's the dream come true for most of the guys. Like, if you ask me, I would love to play against Karpati's senior team, whatever team I play for, whether it be Dovhi Voinilev or, I don't know, my neighborhood team or the Canadian Argentinian team. I don't care. I would love to play against Karpati. And that's the point, you know, like, you got your YouTube video show, which is um, broadcasted, like, every week and five or 10,000 people watch it for free. Yeah, we know our stories with free football. I mean, Persia is broadcasted on YouTube as well. But it's not the point. It's not why you shouldn't be wanting to promote. It's the uh, thing that we have uh, going on in the league now when we see players leaving abroad to Ireland, you know, playing in Druhaliha and winning the Irish Championship. Yes, leaving the club afterwards. But anyway, that's something to remember, right? You took a picture with the trophy. Also, we can remember Artem Kolod, who was playing for uh, Mariupol team, I believe, and now he's playing in El Paso. Of course, Kostishin uh, is the fresh example, but he joined the El Paso from UPL. My point is, we have this uh, way, this route for players, this window for players to, uh, to see what's out there. And you don't have to be playing in UPL and you don't have to be um, uh, struggling to promote. Just like, you know, if even if you have YouTube or Scout and you have your matches broadcasted, like if you play for Chernihiv or F- FCK Mariupol, Bukovina, you will be spotted, you have a chance, you will go there. And if not, you can still play against Karpati and play uh, if, you are, been, if you've been a part of the YouTube show of Brutalny Football or some kind. You know what I'm saying? So it's good. It's good that we have a relegation group. It's good that clubs don't want to promote, but they know their strategy. Like FC Chernihiv, I'm pretty sure that Gimnik Sports has some kind of strategy, you know, some kind of tactics, like the saying goes, and they keep up to it. We'll see about that. Of course, I don't, I don't think that relegation group will be watched by anyone that much. Like that would be my speculation for the rest of the season. Would anyone love to watch the relegation? Uh, you know. Uh... Yeah. Dividing into two groups for the second time was made for was made to make less number of the matches for the clubs to save their budget. Okay, that was again, a smart decision. Again, then. Yeah. again in Ukraine, no one thinks about fans. Uh, obviously, I don't know what uh, why they are decided not to play in the standard championship with the circles and divide two groups and. Really, I don't know what will be next season when some of the teams will decide to return. What will make with this? Maybe this relegation group will return to the second. Who knows? Could be. The bottom line is we are happy to have our lower leagues to discuss and to see that clubs actually love playing football under bombings, underpaid, but for the love of the game. Ilya, this is a really good moment i think to ask you about the teams or the former teams in sumi in particular alliance victoria fc sumi as you mentioned if they plan to return what at this time of recording in december um sort of what is happening in sumi as a starting point with regards football are the clubs there still functioning at a certain level are they planning to return next season or at this moment in time is it too early to even consider oh you know there are such a silence so i can't even say nothing uh, russian it's uh, still uh, have their academic 
well, they even returned to train in, in April, while city was not was partly destroyed, and it was uh, it's emotional for me that uh, guys are loving football and they are returning the training or looking for possibility to return for training. As a summer, uh, it's a club of our local government, and they say that. Uh, waste money for football while we need to support uh, our armed forces. Uh, mm-hmm. is located for 40, 40 kilometers for border and you understand how important it's for city. And uh, Allianz and Victoria are going to return uh, next season. Um, as far as I remember, in July, they announced that they will keep this season uh, and uh, they will they will return next season to the first season. But uh, what's uh, going on now in clubs? I don't know. How about outside of Sumir? Have you heard anything about any other clubs or, you know, from Padshalika maybe, or even Druha that potentially could return? Obviously, we've you mentioned Islam Mariupol could come back to the UPL, but in reality, that seems quite unlikely. Um how many teams didn't return this year from Pacha and Truja? It must, I think it was 24, right? Or was it was it as high as that? There was quite a lot of teams that obviously are sitting out or even folded completely, obviously, such as Tavares Simferopol, um, Cristal Herson probably won't be coming back soon because of everything that's going on and how dangerous it is in Herson at the moment. Same with MFC Mikolaev, they were having financial issues before February anyway and everything else. So what what are your thoughts? You know, it even not depends from the situation in City because as we can see, uh, Chernikis and Bagarupol is still on the football map of Ukraine. It depends only from desire of the owner of the club and what's going on in his head, I don't know. Uh, I have read that there... Uh, Documents of the, uh, this season and uh, their date, date where uh, clubs should confirm uh, will they play or not. I don't remember this date, and it's uh, quite interesting to ask PFL about this clubs because, uh, as I can say, clubs should inform. Will I think moving on, Neva Bazova, in particular for our good friend Phil Howden. For those of you who don't know Phil. Uh, Prior to the outbreak, Phil travelled extensively across the region, visiting most of the amateur teams, of which Neva Bazova was at that time. But surprisingly, alongside a few other teams that we'll discuss in a minute, they made the decision to step up to the professional ranks this year. And what they they're doing quite well at the moment, to put it politely. They're absolutely running away with the Druha Liga this season. Uh, guys, anyone know why? How have they managed to hit the ground running so well? And uh, I mean, this is, I mean, Ray, you mentioned earlier about the amateur leagues and players coming out of the amateur leagues. We've also got to give a lot of credit to teams coming out of the amateur leagues as well with this structure in place that allows them to sort of rock it up past the the more historic teams like 
Neva Vinitsa, for example, and uh, get the jump on them. Ilya will obviously, we mentioned Allianz, uh, came out of the amateur leagues a few years back and were on the verge of the UPL before the outbreak of war. Neva Bozova seems seem the new one. Ilya, Ray, do they seem to have that ability that they could become like Allianz and very soon be pushing for promotion to the UPL? If, as expected, they go into the Persia next season. Uh, Niva Bozova also has a, bit of, uh, a lot of good players, even Bogdan Simonetsky, who fought for Shakhtar Donetsk. So there are a lot of players from first and second league, very good players. Again, uh, could they fight for promotion for the Premier League? I don't know. Make the gain achievement of Menai, who promoted for, for Premier League, from the second league to Premier League for two years. It will be quite interesting. I everything is possible in Ukrainian football, you know. Yeah, I just want to add, uh, as far as I'm aware, Neva Buzova are funded by a local Azeri businessman who is from the area. Uh, anyone who knows anything about Neva Buzova, um, they've got quite a nice little pitch stadium, you know, on the middle of nowhere, basically. Uh, looks very picturesque during the snowy season. Uh, our friend Phil, as Adam's mentioned, has taken many photos over there. Even Glory, I think, have shared a few cool photos of Neva Buzova from sort of like a drone perspective. Quite cool. And, well, they've taken to it amazingly, to be honest, <laughs> as they lead, obviously, in their first professional season uh, after coming from the amateur championships. They lead the league um, nine wins and one loss out of 10 games. And they lost their last game just before the winter break against Metalux Zaporizhia 2. And so the reserves of Metalux Zaporizhia. And they ended up sacking their manager straight after that. Ilya, do you know why never Buzova sacked their manager? So I would say harshly. Is there any backstory that there's that's been made public in the press no information why so who knows maybe we will see some uh, good squads even with the from the Premier League if team has ambition ambitious because uh, as I have mentioned uh, uh, epicenter at the early beginning of the season sector Oleg Maduda who made a very huge job with the team but they he was replaced by Serena Hrotniak very good squad, uh, but maybe Sergei Karpenko, as far as I remember, quite just the opposite by some by someone more respectable. Yeah, and obviously, speak following on from Neva Buzova, having obviously just sacked their manager uh, towards the end of the season. So we'll find out a bit more about why that happened. I guess in the new year, once the teams reconvene after the holidays. It is worth giving a big shout out to Rail Farmer, isn't it, Adam? Somehow, mega the perennial strugglers in Truhaliha, uh, relatively, relatively poor in seasons gone by, but this year, yeah, they're second, and they still um, the the record for the oldest professional player in the world. Uh, continues to be Mikola Lechoveda, uh, as far as I'm aware. 
who's like 56 and however many days. And he's had a few sub appearances for Rail Farmer. And they continue to provide us with entertainment, which which is great to see. And then on top of that, in Drukhalika, you've got a whole host of new sides. You've got Zviagel uh, from, I think, Jatomir Oblast, as far as I'm aware. Uh, Novograd Volinsky, isn't it? Oh, right. Okay. I see. Okay. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, so that is in Jatomir Oblast. And you've got uh, FC Host, who are like in Zakarpatia, which you kind of feel for everyone else in the league <laughs> because they are completely out of the way compared to <laughs> compared to the rest of the sides. Uh, and uh, you know, Andrew, I'm sorry, and you know, they are even uh, didn't play it in the amateur championship last season. Uh, they just win the Zakarpatia Region Cup, and that, that's why they promoted the second league. Why, why and how? That reminds me of good old 91-92 season, the very first championship of independent Ukraine, Tempsu Petivka winning the Cup of URSR and joining one of the groups of, uh, at that time, uh, Vishaliha, top tier of the first independent Ukrainian national championship. That's kind of a story for we've that, been hearing more and more. For, for that time, Cup of URSR it was the uh, Cup of Ukraine now, so it, it has sense. And also, Ralph Farmer is absolutely shocking for me because last season, uh, last season, they even cannot think about promoting. Even when this also, I remember, as far as I remember, 2014-15 season when Rohaliha was from 10 teams also, but they were not second. They were closer to the bottom of the table. They are making a huge, huge. They made a huge work, and uh, I hope that some some days they will gain promotion to the first league. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed for them that they keep on this on this right direction that they're heading. Next season, they should run away with the league with buzz over out the way. Uh, Ilya, I have to ask you, Chaika, uh, now obviously the Kiev team, their manager left. At the end of the the autumn season, Denis Komotov, um, he made some rumours about a complete cut of the budget and the club looking to cut money out. Do you have any information on that? On that, and are, is there a chance they may disappear over the, the over the winter break? No, about Komotov, I don't have any extra information, but. I am disappointed from Echibas. They had a lot of players from MSU Mikulai and I didn't expect it that they will go to know. Fair enough. Yeah, it's been a disappointing start for them in the in the Druva. Hopefully they'll pick up after the break. Um trying to think now, Andrew. Did we cover all the teams that have disappeared? I think we'd be here for a few hours if we had to cover all of them, Adam, <laughs> sadly. Very true. But, uh, very true. I mean, I, I think we've touched on a lot of them. A lot of them obviously got promoted to Perseliha and there's just the whole mishmash that probably we will probably end up covering once we hear more news, as Ilya mentioned, once they have that confirmation of which teams will be 
participating in next season, which I assume we'll, we'll find out in the spring at some point. Uh, but interesting times. Fingers crossed, obviously, with more positive news from the front line. We might get some more positive news out of these uh, numerous football clubs. Is this what people need to remember, that there are so many of them around the country, which we've discovered over the last few years and have, have developed a great affinity to, uh, and some less to as well, personal favourite being, of course, Kramatorsk, and would love to see them back in the in the near future. Making a slight tr- horizontal shift with the theme of the pod, ESPN have been shining a beautiful light on Ukrainian football over the the last 48 hours, really. Andrew, do you want to just talk a little bit more about it for people who maybe aren't as aware of the project they've been doing? Yeah, I think just before we end our uh, episode today, worth just giving a shout out to the team at ESPN and E60, which I think is like an offshoot company of ESPN who make uh, sort of one-off documentary series. And their current newest episode, which will have already been premiered uh, nationwide in America um, on ESPN by the time everyone's listening to this, is called Remember the Blue and Yellow. And it's been sort of fronted by one of their best sports writers, larger than life character, uh, Wright Thompson, who's a fantastic sports writer. And he's... Basically, him and his team, uh, Russ, Mac, a few others that uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting across uh, Ukraine's national team games this year, have been following Ukraine, the Zbirna, and have been following Alexander Petrikov in particular very, very closely. Um, And their new documentary will probably see some of the rawest, most open uh, her interview uh, comments and the likes from Alexander Petrikov that he's never given to anyone. Uh, quite a closed, reserved character, um, for the most part, from a, from a media perspective, you know, interviews and that kind of thing. Um, maybe less so from an emotional perspective in front in front of press conferences. But yeah, I think it's going to be brilliant. Uh, Alexander Petrikov flew out to America for the premiere over there. He's been enjoying himself, I think, well-deserved in Chicago and New York over the past week or so uh, before returning to Ukraine and hopefully focusing on the games against, uh, well, the game against England in March after England's exit to France this gone weekend. I think uh, he might count his chances a bit more and... uh, that match might be just prime for a bit of Petrikov ball and possibly it might be his farewell game as well because of the imminent rumours that Serhii Rebrov will be joining Zbirna in the summer. So I think everything's sort of coming to a head. I'd recommend anyone who is in North America that has got access to ESPN or ESPN Plus to watch that documentary on demand. I'm hoping I'm still waiting on information from some of the producers and everyone else as to where it'll be available for people in Europe, in Ukraine, people in the UK, elsewhere. But apparently it might be available on Disney Plus if you're subscribed to that. 
So fingers crossed that will be available in the near future. Um, but uh, it's it's a great thing. And if you actually can't watch the documentary, the I guess best next best thing is Wright Thompson's extremely long read uh, article that he wrote on ESPN.com, which we'll have in the link to in the comments of this podcast details so you can go and have a read of that it's some it's really sensational and like one of probably one of the best long reads in all of sport in 2022 in my opinion you know there's a lot of people that slag off you know americans for not fully understanding football and everything else along with it and right literally i think explains so much not just about Ukrainian football but a lot about Ukrainian culture and sort of the microcosm that has changed since February um that has changed obviously within the national team but also as Ukrainian society as a whole he touches on Ukrainian language in the piece how that's been quite important shift from the sort of Sovietization the Russification of that during the Soviet Union and the first 30 years of Ukrainian independence and plenty of other topics where he's goes to Kiev twice with Petrakov uh, after that nil-nil against Scotland and how Petrakov reminisces on everything. He talks to Stepanenko extensively. Yarmolenko gives a few comments as well, um, how he ended up helping Yaremchuk's wife's family escape from Chernihiv during the early times of the war because he had some military contacts who ended up getting Yaremchuk's wife's family out on a boat and crossing a river and, and this kind of sort of stuff that we've not really heard about in Ukrainian media. Uh, so certainly do do give a look and watch out for that and um, highly recommend both the documentary and the article. Thanks for that, Andrew. Definitely an important piece. And hey, we've heard that Alexander Petrakov uh, was having a good time in North America. And we've always been saying that uh, this man has a potential for a Netflix documentary. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, it's a net, it's probably going to end up on Disney Plus for Europeans. But ESPN in North America, it will be watched and it will get its coverage. And who knows, maybe Alexander Petrakov would, would have liked to stay in one of the universities or schools, you know, and Sooner or later, we would end up with new Donovan's and Dempsey's, but this man loves Kiev too much. And same as us, we love Ukraine, we're loving Ukrainian football. And in the next uh, year, in the next part of the season, personally, me, I'm going to be watching the Kiev Oblast teams, which we have like Dinas, uh, Mariupol is playing Kiev Oblast, as we know. Also, the regional representatives like Prikarpatia and Bukovina, and who knows, maybe even Skoruk might actually surprise us again, just like they're leading a uh, goal scorer in their group after the first part of the season. What I'm, what I'm saying is, let's keep in touch with Ukrainian football. Let's not forget about its potential. And just like Alexander Petrakov in America, let's spread the word out there. It's a shame, although, that across the ocean, we cannot watch it properly. We don't have Megogo, we don't have YouTube highlights, but, you know, uh, maybe something will change next year, as Andrew rightfully said. That was it for today. Thanks for being with us. Ilya, I would, uh, we would like to thank you for the detailed coverage of the lower leagues and hope to see you again on our show. Thank you for the invitation. Slava Ukraine. Hello, I'm Slava. Uh, 
my co-hosts, Andrew and Adam. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to me blubbing away my uh, homesickness. And over to you guys. Any words for our listeners in this uh, ending year? Slava Ukraina. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, guys. Enjoy the enjoy the fiats. I think we'll be back soon. Uh, not 100% sure when. Just once there's enough good stuff to talk about, because I think there's going to be a bit of a lull after the World Cup's over. Uh, and we'll be back with all the transfer news and hopefully some interesting interviews in the new year. Stay safe and goodbye for now. Oh,